Cotney Construction Law is dedicated to helping the construction industry in legal, risk, and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's Law & Mortar with John Kenny and Trent Cotney. Hey, this is Trent Cotney with Cotney Construction Law. I've got John Kenny here with me as always, and uh, welcome to episode four of Law & Mortar. We want to thank our sponsor, Atlantic Equipment, for sponsoring this episode. Uh, as you may know, if you are a subscriber to uh, Cotney, you get the opportunity to get 5% off new sales with Atlantic Equipment. For more information on that, go to customer service at cottonyseal.com. John, we've got a lot going on, man. Uh, it's been been a busy uh, couple of weeks. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've been getting calls, a lot of calls lately on, uh, is lightning-related issues. We're starting to hit storm season here in Florida, and not just in Florida, but I've had this happen uh, in a variety of other places, especially out in the Midwest, um, where storms come on all of a sudden, and when they do, uh, a lot of crews are in danger of being hit by lightning, okay? And yep. I've seen some, some recent press releases. And, you know, I know from an OSHA standpoint, what I always like to tell uh, contractors out there is to make sure that you have an emergency action plan in place, that you uh, have thought about, um, you know, what happens if lightning, if you're in a, a storm situation, you've got lightning, even if it's a blue sky event, how do you properly protect your employees? And one of the things I know you and I were talking about right before we got on here, but uh, was having the apps that, that really um, work well now. I mean, you know, I would say even five, six years ago, uh, I was used to more of the handheld device that you would put on your belt strap and kind of walk around with that. But now it seems like uh, there's a lot of apps out there, especially the paid ones that um, have been working out great. What's your experience with that, John? Yeah, in the last last few years, we started using more apps than anything else. And like you say, with the paid ones, it's real time. It's not 15 minute delayed. That's what you have to be careful about if you are using the apps. A lot of your free apps are 10, 15 minutes behind, but the paid ones are, are as instantaneous as you can get. And a lot of them have settings on it where you can set it for 5, 10, 15, and 20 mile uh, radius for lightning strikes. So, of course, you got to watch out for rain for flooding a building out and everything else. But lightning, you got to watch your strikes. Um, and you mentioned a good point, your blue sky events. Uh, another good key indicator is when you got blue skies and you can hear thunder. If you can hear thunder, you are within a lightning strike of your job site. So you need to keep an eye on that. Um, I know recently here in Florida... And I believe also it was either the northeast or, or western end of Pennsylvania, somewhere there, where the sun was out and the roofer was struck within 15, 20 miles of where the closest storm was. And it was due to that blue sky event. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that lightning can be that far away from the heart of a storm. So you got to keep those things in mind. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, making sure that uh, you've accounted for where you can kind of shelter in place while a storm passes. You need to be able to, you know, make sure your project manager, superintendent, crew leader knows when to suspend the project until the storm passes. Uh, keeping your employees safe and protected is, is always critical. Um, oftentimes, you know, general contractors, if you're on a project, they may have uh, sort of, you know, static uh, lightning warning systems or the mobile lightning warning systems. But independent of that, I want to encourage any, any roofing contractor, anybody that's on top of a roof to make sure that they've got some kind of warning system in place because storms come in quick and before you know it, it's on top of you. Um, along those lines, John, you know, 
one of the, the things that I often encounter um, when I am representing roofing contractors in disputes it are issues related to uh, when a roofing contractor goes up and has to deal with the existing lightning protection that's on a job site. And there's a lot of issues there, right? So con contractually, rarely do they spell out exactly what's supposed to happen. And there's also some potential licensing issues, depending on how it's there, where it's installed, whether or not electrical's involved, whether, you know, all those types of issues. So, you know, in your experience out in the field, what's, you know, what have you seen and what would be some of your sort of best practices, you know, recommendations for those listening? Sure, taking the uh, licensing out of the equation because that, that can be different by state by state, but as a roofing contractor, you really don't want to take on the liability of removing and reinstalling, especially your own lightning protection. Um, absolutely recommend that you get in partners with some firm that specializes in that for a couple of reasons. One is they may even allow you to take it off and roll it up for them once they come out and you do photo analysis so they know where it goes, but you do not want to put it back. Um, you, you, a lot of times you have to get a letter and you should do this to cover you in liability reasons, a uh, letter of certification. It's a uh, compliance that you're putting it back. It's not certifying the system. That's very hard to do to get a UL certification on an existing system then it has to go back to the original point of install which no one can really verify that but it's a letter of compliance all it simply does is saying that you put the system back into the condition it was when you got there which releases you from liability so the money you're going to maybe possibly save doing it yourself will be offset tenfold by the liability that you're taking on if that building gets struck by lightning and there's damage to it um, which is usually going to happen whenever lightning strikes a building. So that my best practice experience is to team up with a reputable lightning protection agency and have them work with you with the lightning protection and get your letter of compliance to cover you legally. Yeah, absolutely. If you can farm out that liability, then it's going to, it's going to save you some heartache. Um, you know, switching gears, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, EPDM systems. And, you know, we, we do a lot of work in the Northeast. You know, obviously I'm licensed in Massachusetts. John, I know your old stomping grounds in New Jersey. Uh, we've got a lot of friends and roofing contractors up in the Northeast and um, in other areas, Chicago and elsewhere. Um, actually, we've, you know, now that we've expanded into Canada, uh, we've seen a lot of the roofing contractors are using EPDM up in Toronto and elsewhere. Um, you know, in your experience, I know you put down some EPDM, you know, you've, you're familiar with the systems. What would be some best practices and tips that you kind of tell roofing contractors out there to watch out for? Sure. We actually just put out this week, you, you'll find a roof report out there with the EPDM tips. Um, a couple of things that we covered in there is, you know, EPDM has been around since the 60s in both Europe and in the United States. Um, U.S. actually was first um, and Europe followed. But the, the EPDM itself has not changed a lot as far as the sheet configuration. It's been a tried and true system for 50 plus years. But a few methods that have changed is the seaming, um, doing away with glue seaming, going to seam tapes um, in, in different details, your prefabricated units now that have seam tapes to them, where there was a lot of installation issues over the years. So um, in the areas where EPDM is still a, a major force in the marketplace, through the technology and advancements in the systems, they become a lot easier and better to put down for the contractor as well. 
So some of the biggest tips are, you know, make sure your deck is clean and dry and substrates are good. Your insulation, if you're using any, is fastened correctly. You still need to allow your sheets to relax for 30 minutes. Um, if you're doing a mechanically attached system, it's a reinforced membrane. Follow the instructions, use the correct plates, proper location on the seams, don't overdrive them. Totally adhere, put your adhesive down according to the manufacturer's specifications, which is usually a little less than a half a gallon to a little more than a half a gallon per square. And you, you know, tack test, uh, more humidity, the slower it dries, less humidity, the faster it dries, you don't want it to be over dry. Roll it out, broom it in, you know, hard bristle broom, uh, properly install the seam tape. And like I said, there's a lot of tips in the roof report to get into the heavy details of it. That's pretty much it. EPDM is a fairly simple system to install. If it's done correctly, it, it lasts a real long time. Yeah, you, you know, I've, I've been up on at least one, if, if not two or three roofs that had that ghost effect on uh, EPDM where, you know, that hadn't been installed right. But yeah, I think if you follow those tips, it's, a, it's been around for a while. It's a try and true system. So, um, you know, definitely in those areas where you see it uh, used, those are good tips. Um, last thing I want to wrap up with here, John, is, is we're still in the middle of COVID-19. We've had a lot of spikes. Um, I'm starting, you know, I've always been concerned when this thing started, you know, I've, I've preached it a million times, but I'm, I really want our contractors to make sure that they're protecting themselves because there's going to be a slew of um, suits that are filed by customers, by third parties that will say that they got, um, you know, COVID-19 from uh, a roofing contractor or a plumber or an HVAC contractor, whatever it might be. And I want our listeners to make sure that they're thinking about getting those waivers and those releases before you get on a project. And clearly, I'm not talking about intentional uh, conveyance of COVID-19, but unintentional exposure. And it can work both ways. You know, that's the way to sell it, to say, look, how, am I, how do I know that I'm not going to get it from you, the customer? You know, so let's, let's figure out some way to sign it. Same thing holds true with your employees. You know, um, it, it is possible there's a recent... Uh, case out there uh, or decision that's kind of talked about whether or not a uh, employer is liable for an employee's exposure to COVID, it's possible, okay? So keep in mind, should be covered by workers' comp, but you want to take extra precautions. Just because we've started to open up now, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, it's going to be business as usual. Take those precautions both internally and externally so that you're trying to minimize risk. John, when you, if you, I'm sure you've heard stuff from your contractor contacts as well. What are they facing out there in the field? Yeah, I mean, I've talked to people not only here in the southeast, I've talked to up through uh, the Middle Valley through Tennessee and the northeast. Now that everybody's starting to get a little more back to work, um, it's really starting to affect their operations. You're starting to actually get cases in their workers where originally, even though we were continuing work in a lot of places, you didn't really seem to have the cases pop up in the workforce in the field, but it does seem to now to be increasing. And probably a lot of that is to their exposure, not so much within the company, but outside, you know, to where they're going or family members going somewhere. But uh, definitely do the precautions, stick with the, you know, the hand cleaning stations and, and keep wiping the trucks down and interior offices, you know, keep limit access. Uh, this isn't going to go anywhere. I think we're going to have this, even if there's a vaccine by the end of the year, I think we got 18 months of uh, dealing with this on or off. This is not going to go away. And unfortunately, like you just said, Trent, I think you're going to see more and more legal action come from this. It seems to be leaning that way from everything we've been reading, you know, even on the HR side of it as well. 
Yeah, and, and keep in mind for the listeners, I know this is a very fluid situation. You know, I, I don't uh, know exactly how all the legal is going to pan out once this thing is done. What I'm preaching now is be cognizant of it. You know, take the precautions, especially externally in your contracts. Take the precautions now because I don't know what it looks like three months from now, six months from now, nine months from now, 12 months from now. And I think if you're, if you're proactive rather than reactive, it's going to help eliminate some potential risk down the road. Well, John, I think our time has come to an end, at least for this episode. All so right. uh, as always, I appreciate your brother and uh, we'll have some good things to talk about next episode. So Sounds thank, good. Next thank week. you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to you next time.